kidding. I'm over here like. Right? You got to jam out. Totally. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to this week's Kick-Ass Conversations with Louise and Kim. And we are joined today by Catherine Matisse. Did I say that last name correctly? Matisse. But that's Matisse. Oh, I was so close. All right. Thank you. Um, we are going to learn a little bit more about Catherine in a little while, but like we start every show. And if you are joining us live, please drop it in the comments. What are we celebrating today? Louise, what are you celebrating? Oh, I am celebrating uh, laughter and good friends. Kim, you and I got an opportunity um, earlier this week um, and late last week to be in person. So that has been fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I think just all of that like goodness and fun that we had carried in through the week. Um, and I've just been doing a lot of laughing. And so I am just celebrating that, like regardless of what's going on and how much stress or all of those other things that just I'm leaning into that and using that as my oxygen mask a little bit too. Mm. And since we were on airplanes, that was really relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, what are you celebrating this week? Uh, well, it's been a week, as I was just saying before we yeah. came on, my roof leaked. Uh, I'm in San Diego where we had some serious rain. So I'm celebrating the weekend and not trying to manage my roof leak situation and work and the scheduling. And I'm going to visit an old friend this weekend. So that would be nice. I love that. And I am celebrating for you that it was a roof and not everything else. Because I have some friends in San Diego that lost a whole lot. So, oh yeah. no. Yeah. Mine was just down the wall. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I'm glad that everything is safe and, and that you're going to get a nice little respite with friends. Thank you. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned last week, we were heading into the weekend of our daughter's bat mitzvah. So I am still on the high from last weekend's bat mitzvah for my celebration. And I am celebrating that I let myself sleep in late today because I Silly me, scheduled my Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like packed my schedule on those days. We got back late Monday night and I'm like, I'll be fine. Not so fine. <laughs> so <laughs> I am celebrating that I allowed myself to sleep in. And even though I know my husband listens every week, I am super excited that um, tomorrow my daughter will be off at an all day um, rehearsal for the musical that she's in. And my husband is taking a quick trip into the States. So I get a day by myself. Oh, love that. <laughs> love that. Super excited about that. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. I'm going to say in the comments, um, I wanted to just say to them, Donna's celebrating, um, connecting with Sabrina from last week. And so I love that connections and that um, folks are finding um, special places to uh, to connect with our guests. So that's um, what it's all about. Love, love, love it. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for, for shouting that out. And knowing both Donna and Sabrina personally, that is a fantastic match. And how exciting that they made it here on your Kick-Ass Conversations, because <laughs> that's what we're all about. Kick-Ass Conversations, Kick-Ass Careers, all just do all the kick-ass stuff. Which, Catherine, I'm going to just do a little <laughs> blurb about you really quickly, and then I'm going to let you go and talk about yourself. But Kick-Ass comes into play here as well. <laughs> <laughs> So Catherine is the founder and CEO of Civility Partners, great name, by the way, um, a consulting firm focused on helping organizations create respectful workplace cultures and specializing in turning around toxic cultures. So needed. Civility Partners clients range from Fortune 500s to small businesses across many industries. And Catherine is a 
sought out HR thought leader who has appeared in such venues as USA Today, Bloomberg, CNN, NPR, and many other national news outlets. She's an award-winning speaker, author, and blogger, and has 48 courses reaching global audiences on LinkedIn Learning. Catherine's award-winning book, Back Off, your, here we go, kick-ass guide to ending <laughs> bullying at work, was hailed by international leadership guru Ken Blanchard as the most comprehensive and valuable handbook on the topic. Catherine, we are so excited to have you here today. We Thank just, you. We so <laughs> Thank you. You're very welcome. Tell us your story. Like, How did you get to where you are and doing all this good stuff in the world? Yeah, I definitely have a unique career, that's for sure. Um, so I I was the director of HR for an organization that had grown from 30 to roughly 50 while I worked there. And um, my, I had when I first got that job, I had just gotten out of college from my bachelor's. My bachelor's is in uh, human communication. And um, as I was working there, I realized that, so I, I moved from executive assistant over time as we grow into this role of director of HR. And there was another director who worked there. So he was my peer and he um, was an ass. And as for saying kick ass, I'll just say I wonder that. if I worked with him before. <laughs> Everyone's got a story. That's I'm convinced 100% of the world is going to work with an asshole. If you yeah. haven't already, it's come in at some point. Um, yeah. And uh, so I, being director of HR, I was, you know, dealing with the problem that he was creating. And so really watching firsthand the kind of damage that he was causing the organization. And I couldn't fix it. People would complain. And I would go to the president, can you address this person's behavior? And he would say things like, that's just how he is. I don't know why it bothers you. Tell them not to let it bother them. You know, and I'm like, well, why am I hiring people into his department? And then they turn over like this is causing me extra work. It's hard to manage and hear about it. Um, and then I also felt bullied. So I was I was a target in addition to being the organizational observer. Um, and so while I was working there, I decided to get a master's degree in communication. And this is where the universe sometimes just comes flying in to point you in a direction. Um, my very first semester of graduate school, my two classes were ethnography. So I had to write a paper about something in my life where I was spending time. And my other class was called the dark side of communication. And that class was about stalking and domestic um, violence and sibling rivalry and all of the dark communication. And um, I, so I'm like, I need a topic for both classes, you know, ding, ding, I'll write about my workplace. Um, and so during that semester, when I was doing research for both of those papers, came across the phrase workplace bullying and realized that there was 40 years, well, at the time, 20 years of academic research on the topic from around the world. And I was not crazy. And that this and it was my my leader's response is pretty common and um, just became really fascinated by this human phenomenon um, and honestly sort of fascinated by the fact that it seems to generally unfold in the same way. I mean, everyone's got their own story, but like the how it happens and what happens is very 
methodical, no matter who you are, what company you're in. Um, and so that was sort of fascinating, not sort of, it was very fascinating. So anyway, I ended up doing all of my graduate research on workplace bullying. I wrote my thesis on workplace bullying. I dedicated it to the post-it Nazi, which is what we called um, the bully in my workplace. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, that's so that I joke. I have a master's in workplace bullying and um, took it from there. Started a business, wrote my first book, and here we are. Love that. I, um, I don't love that there's an entire world of workplace bullying that needs to be addressed. And right, I mean, back in the day when I was a practicing attorney, I did a lot with domestic violence and got then into consulting in the workplace violence um, arena mm -hmm. as well. So I like, it is amazing to me how people still in 2020, now 2023 are still like, is that really a problem? Yeah, yeah, we're talking about 40 years of like this is language has been around and this, yep. this, this is a real problem. Yep. So. yep. It has been nice to see the paradigm shift. So when I started, you know, literally 100% of the people I knew and I told I'm going to start a consulting business around this topic of bullying, every single person said, I don't think you should do that. What is that? That's not even a thing. Um, and I stuck to my guns. I'm like, well, I've read the academic research. I know it's a thing. I just need to find a way to get into an organization. And, um, so that, you know, I'm proud of myself for that sticking to my guns. And, um, and then I would call HR associations, you know, can I come and speak at your chapter meeting? Same response. No, we talk about harassment already. We don't, what is that? You know, and now here I am all these years later, and I'm glad I stuck to my guns. I was ahead of the curve. I was talking about things long before Me Too and BLM. And um, yeah, it's been interesting to see the paradigm shift over time. So people, HR at least knows about it, but we still have a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I just, on behalf of everybody else in the industry and working on this, Thank you for the work that you're doing because it is. Thank you. Yeah, it is so needed and sticking to your guns and, and saying that this is something that's real is something that I think we, we many people, if not all people struggle with at some time, visionaries struggle with at some time. Mm -hmm. It's like, am I actually seeing something that nobody else is seeing? Is that possible? Yeah. And you did, you were seeing it and you said, no, this is a real problem let's address it and let's keep addressing it. Yeah. Yeah. I started, I had a website I used to get, that's where all my clients came from because eventually someone would think of this phrase and go searching and there was no, no competition. So literally people would come across my website and like, can you help me? You know? So yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so today we're here, we're going to be talking about um, assessments and the power of assessments. Okay. which I find fascinating as we talk about kind of your process and where you got to mm -hmm. and um, particularly around this conversation that, that we were just having of like, but it's not even something people were talking about. Mm -hmm. So um, do you use assessments? I do. We use what's called a climate assessment. So it's an employee survey that is assessing the culture. Um, and, you know, of course, I'm familiar with DISC and StrengthsFinder. And so um, I also specialize now in coaching leaders who engage in bullying behavior. And I do not 
necessarily use an assessment, um, but I we do talk about DISC sometimes. It'll be a bit of a side note just to help them see, hey, everybody thinks and processes differently. Um, but yeah, so the assessments we're doing are assessing the culture of the organization. Mm -hmm. What's the what's the power of doing that? Like what what do you what comes from an assessment? Yeah, great question. So there's two things um, depending on the kind of client. So I would say roughly 75 percent of our clients come to us because we specialize in turning around toxic environments and they recognize finally that it's toxic. And so they've mm -hmm. they've found us. Um, so in the, in that scenario, and it's, it's the same assessment, the other type of client is like, we already think we're pretty good, but maybe we could do better. The assessment's the same, but the kind of messaging around the data is a bit different. So, um, for example, we had a client that was the, it was a 300 person IT department in a university. And, um, the leader didn't really think there was a problem. He was kind of old school male sorry to stereotype, but, um, you know, it was mostly males in this organization and some women had come forward during me too, to say that they were not being treated very well. Um, the organization sort of tried to brush it under the rug and this, the leader of these five women really did not tolerate that, which kudos to her. She backed them into a corner and forced, she went pub real public and forced them to you know, they, they have to be able to say they're taking action and looking into it. Um, so that survey was really able to reveal to the leadership team who didn't think there was anything wrong because they didn't experience anything wrong, that you have a real culture problem. So for example, 30% of, of the survey respondents had said that they had witnessed harassment in the last year. So now it's not just those five women right. and you've got a bigger problem than that, than that. Um, so that, that helps in those scenarios to, and that's unfortunate. Unfortunately, a big part of our uphill battle is usually the narrative is that HR is coming to us for help. And then we have to partner with HR to get the CEO to buy in that there's even a real problem. And it's like HR's over here going, I hear about it just like I was, you know, I hear about it. I know it's a problem. I can see it's damaging. Um, you, they don't pick on you. It doesn't affect you because you're the leader. People are going to treat you well. Um, so anyway, I'm giving you a very long-winded answer. Um, and then for the companies that feel like, hey, we're already pretty good, but we'd like to check in. Sometimes that's really eye-opening as well, um, where they'll, you know, it's kind of like, oh, oh, we didn't know people weren't that unhappy. We thought we were good. So um, the assessment really provides a lot of data for, and then we can take that and say, all right, let's break this down and figure out exactly what you need to work on to change your culture. Sometimes it's core values, but it's not always that, you know, a lot of organizations want to focus on culture and they like, let's do core values. And then we'll do a, a employee nomination around the core values. And that's nice, but that doesn't change culture. So um, that's really where we get to dig in and say, all right, what exactly needs to change organizationally yeah. and behaviorally? Yeah, the, 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 I think one of the, the, the tools, like the power tool of assessments is really, um, it's validating, right? And it, so it can bring to light some of the things that maybe we, we knew already or maybe we suspected or we didn't know, but it, it does bring to light. And it actually starts to put some language around it and it gives us a starting line. 
right? right? It gives us that to say like, here we are today. And I think this is true for all kinds of assessments, right? For yep. DISC or uh, motivator, whatever that looks like that, that you're doing, even your values. It's like here, this is who I am today as an organization or as a person. And mm-hmm. we can start to now really start to see some of the nuances and start to pull those things out so that we can take action um, and, and, and bringing some clarity around what it Yeah, I like to compare assessments, whether organizational or for individuals that it's like a snapshot in time, right? Mm-hmm. So on during this week when that assessment was open, this was the snapshot of your culture here today when you took the DISC assessment. It's a snapshot in time of you and then, you know, just like anything, then you can look at a picture and go, oh, I, I feel like I want to lose weight or change my hair or build some muscle. And then you take another snapshot a year later and you've done those things and it looks different. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a, a snapshot in time and then you can figure out what you want to change. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's Louise's favorite word. And I know you mentioned it as well, Catherine, is it's data. <laughs> Right. And um, I am, I definitely, I use a lot of data. I love assessments. I'm actually creating a layered assessment that uses a compilation of different assessments together to give more of a 360, both for individuals and teams, Mm -hmm. um, because it is, it's that snapshot and it shows growth and development over time. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we can get senses like our clothes will fit differently. You mentioned, right? Like I can see a snapshot of myself and I might want to change something. My clothes might feel different. Like I can, I can feel a little bit more muscle. Oh, it feels different when I shampoo my hair, but those are relatively subjective Mm -hmm. based instead of looking at like, this is the data. This Mm -hmm. is what we know. And it's again, just another point in time, Mm -hmm. but it gives us, it gives us an opportunity to actually see and make tangible growth and development over time. Exactly. Yeah. And then the other thing too, is it couples nicely with KPIs, right? So when people say, you know, how do we measure success? Well, one clear way is to redo the survey a year later and see if the data changed and to toot our horn, it often has changed quite a bit. Um, But then you can also add business results to it, too. You know, did do people's um, less turnover or um, even holding managers accountable or or department heads accountable to to the data that's related to them? You know, Um, so finding KPIs that are business related outside of the survey is really helpful, too. Mm -hmm. And then it's even more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think people get wrong around assessments? Ooh, I have a, a very passionate answer. <laughs> HR needs to recognize that they are not social scientists. There are tons of surveys out there. CultureAmp is a, a big one. I, I don't know that they're a competitor, but definitely they're you know they're doing surveys. Um, HR, so if you're going to do a survey, that makes you a social scientist. And that means you need to have a research question in mind. And then you develop your survey based on that. So our survey starts, we have a template that looks at five constructs that over time, through all of this work I've done, I feel that those are the five things that really measure um, culture. But um, where I'm going with this is a lot of times HR feels like they did an engagement survey and that the engagement survey scores are fine. In fact, actually, that IT department, they were shocked when they saw our data 
because their Gallup Q12 engagement mm-hmm. survey had really fantastic scores. I'm like, well, let's think on this. The people who aren't engaged probably don't fill it out, first of all, because they're not engaged. <laughs> um, versus and he goes with it. Yeah, we come in like there's a public <laughs> problem. It's a, you know, a big issue. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, let me get in there and share my spiel. Um, And so just to be aware that if you're using an employee engagement survey, that means you're measuring engagement, but that's not that's different than your culture. So um, that that's a big mistake that people make for sure. And also, I'm sorry, I've seen some pretty horrible survey questions, not culture ants. The other one I'll will remain nameless. But there's (laughs) a very large survey out there that um, is big in hospitality. And some of the questions are appalling to me. For example, one of them is um, essentially rating the leaders on ethics. Are they ethical? And it's like ethical around what? Money, behavior, harassment? What what does that even mean? A and B, what could you do with that information? What if everybody says, no, they're not ethical? Well, since you don't know what they're not ethical about, how do you fix that? So our surveys also are very action oriented. You, every single question you can take an action around it. Right. Well, and I love that you said it's right. It's that it's that what are you what are you looking to solve? Yep. Right. If you're building a survey, if you're using assessment or picking an off the shelf assessment, what are you solving for through that mm-hmm. assessment? Because yep. very often pe- people pick the wrong assessment mm-hmm. to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're, like you just said, they end up saying, oh no, everything's fine when it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, we do it ourselves as individuals, right? Well, I'm going to go take a, the 16 personalities or an MBTI and, and I'm going to tell, know everything about myself through that one assessment when you don't, you know, like a very thin slice of yourself mm-hmm. and how you operate. And it talks nothing about really how you react in a team, how you react as a leader, like, right. Yep. So we want to be testing for the right, what the result is that we want. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things that I, I think too is, is sometimes we forget is that we'll do an assessment and the results are fantastic or whatever that looks like. And um, we don't, we don't do anything about it, right? We're taking the assessment to, to what, right? Yeah. Check a box. And, and we're not really using the data or the information and, and nothing comes of it. Um, the, the real power of an assessment isn't the first time you do it. It's all the other times you do it. Right. And so you can see where you're intentional and where you're paying attention. You can see if you're moving that needle or not, and you can see if it's making the difference you want it to make. Um, Are you showing up differently? Right. At at work, if you're taking a disc, are you making changes? Because that's really what you want to be doing. Um, So, yeah, it's it's all of that. It's that reflection piece. Mm -hmm. And it's like recognizing that it's not the first time you take it. Um, is going to give you any information really at all. It's right. what you're going to do with it and then how you're going to reflect back on it. 
Yeah, and I would piggyback on that too. Another mistake is that uh, organizations don't share the results. So people mm -hmm. spend the time and then they have no idea what the results were mm -hmm. and then yeah, no, no actions taken. Um, and that's where, you know, not to pick on culture amp, but the, you know, the, the culture amps of the world, it's like they can, the HR person can pick the questions, they do the survey and then I don't know what happens to that. I don't use them obviously, but so we really come at it from a consultative approach where it's like, we're doing the survey with you. We partner with you to make sure the survey is tailored to get it, whatever it is you think you need to know and what we think you need to know. And then we stick around after the survey, we lead the organization through some um, planning sessions to pick through the data and figure out what are some sort of low hanging fruit, high impact items that you can, so that when you announce the survey results, you can essentially say, here's the the gist of the results here's the summary of it we're already going to do x y and z so that you know i was talked with leaders about showing that good faith that you're mm -hmm. you read mm -hmm. the data and you're taking action and then you know at that announcement meeting too to say you know here's the three things we're going to do right now uh, or we've already started and then stay tuned there's going to be a plan that we'll be publishing uh, and especially in these toxic work environments where we come in so that employees can essentially track it and pay attention and see, like, are they doing the things that were in the plan? So um, having a, cons a consultant to help you figure out what to do with the data. And then often we end up doing it too, doing a lot of what's on the plan because the organization doesn't have the bandwidth. So, um, yeah, it's important to react pretty quickly. Yeah. You just touched on two things that, so I worked in a number of organizations that we would do these assessments for different reasons and we'd have the consultant come in and everybody's all gung ho. And then as the employees, depending on what level you were at, you generally just got a very high level summary of, mm -hmm. of your results. And so you don't even know what they mean. You don't know what other team members, like how and where. So you just get this very thin summary unless you're at the top or unless you're manager and maybe then you know what your team is, but then the manager doesn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. So what I loved is you said um, in just building it, it's not just what the organization is looking for. Cause I did work for a couple of organizations who were like, well, this is just the information we want. And the consultant would push back and they're like, no, this is the information we want. So if you are going into this process as an organization, as a leader, mm -hmm. listening to your consultant who actually has something to share with you to say, maybe you would consider doing these things as well. That would be our recommendation. It is not a ploy to get extra money. It is because they genuinely want to assist your organization. So I'm yep. just going to throw that plug in there. Yeah. And the other thing is, is when giving the information back, that training to know what to do with it. Because mm -hmm. very often just having that thin summary or giving the information, you know, getting the booklet for the, at the managerial, the directorial level, level yeah. they don't know what to do with it. Yeah, she thinks. <laughs> now we have this thing that sits on the shelf and it's like, you know, I, I know that X, Y, and Z means all these different things, but I have no idea how to use it. So we're not going to use it. Well, yep. great. You just spent all that time, money, and you have really, really, really valuable information yep. that you're not using. Yep. And then they'll just rerun the survey a year from now and not do right. it <laughs> right. yet again. Yeah, I don't understand. Well, and why has nothing changed? <laughs> why has nothing changed? We have we did the survey in December. Yeah. It's December again. Like, why didn't it change? Uh, well, and to add that to that too, the I know um, a lot of times or 
uh, going back to that survey who shall re remain nameless, one of the things that they offer is like your company does the survey and then they provide this sort of workbook that the company can download and each manager can then theoretically be tasked with their own data and they're supposed to create an action item, at least one that would change the data. That's nice, but managers don't freaking know how to do that. I'm sorry, but they don't. And so yeah, it's just another way where it's like, well, that's a nice value add if people know how. But the fact is that, you know, and I'm going to get into my toxic work environment stuff. We are trained as a society to look at harassment or big things, you know, big behaviors that are clearly illegal. Um, and so you give a manager something that says people are disengaged. Like, what does that even mean? How do I fix that? It's like I've been in my harassment prevention training where I know if I hear a dirty joke, I'm supposed to report it. But we've really got to get out of, um, and I think HR is part of the problem is that we, you know, HR is trained to be so compliant. And then that's how that messaging comes out. Um, so as this paradigm shift that we've seen since COVID around culture, you know, that's becoming more and more culture is sticky and fluffy and gooey. Mm -hmm. There's no law that you can't be rude. You can be rude. Mm -hmm. But it hurts your organization. But a manager doesn't know how to fix that. So there's all sorts of necessary skills that are such a big gap in, you know, what they should be doing and what they've been trained to do in terms of management. Yeah. So it's funny because you say that. And to me, it gets to the heart of what we miss um, in our business schools, in our law schools, in our medical schools and all like all of these professional schools that we go to. We have a class or a workshop on leadership. Mm -hmm. And it's generally like high level leadership. We don't yeah. ever get taught how to manage other people and yep. what to do. And I know many, many, many of my clients, that's their big struggle mm -hmm. is like, I built this organization. I built this beautiful team and I'm spending all my time managing them. And I'm like, well, right, because you don't know how to lead. You just know how to do the things really, really well. Mm -hmm. And then you hire people to do them for you. Mm -hmm. So, right, it's, it's moving into that. And again, the power of assessments with this is, like we can identify where the problems are and then have somebody help you with them. Right. Exactly. So I think that's one of the things that I'm hearing in our conversation is the assessments themselves can be super powerful, but not if they stand on their own. Yep. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and people need to be trained on what to do with that stuff. Um, it's funny. You're just talking about that, Kim. I just had a coaching call yesterday, my last call and um, same, just what you were saying, he's been promoted through the ranks and then he feels like he's up, uh, he's too busy because he either has to do things himself because no one else is doing it right. Or he has to explain things 5 million times and it's still not right and all this stuff. And then he told me yesterday they were looking at hiring an HR person and I'm like, A, hallelujah. And B, do not hire an HR professional who does not have experience in talent development because that I'm like. I will even look at, I will volunteer my time to help you find the right HR person because you are going to be spinning your wheels if you don't have someone who can help you with the people skills that you need and they need, everybody does. 
So anyway, sorry. Right. And this is not to bag on HR people, right? Because no. there, are, there are like there are different levels or di- not even levels. There are different components to HR. And the thing that that most organizations are guilty of is they just say this is HR and they put everything into one. And it's yep. very different skill sets and it's very different strengths and, and um, competencies that these individuals have. Yep. And it's all lumped into one. So this is not to bag on HR. No, it's- definitely not. Definitely not. And that's what that's one thing I see is uh, I kind of joke HR has to be a ninja. HR mm-hmm. knows all sorts of things they need to be doing. It's a matter of getting the budget and the resources and the time. And so if their CEO isn't savvy enough, and I just I see that all the time in my sales calls. You know, it's like HR is pleading for help. And the CEO is like, eh, I don't know. Do we really need this? You know, so no, it's not HR. It's on the CEOs. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Louise, were you going to jump in and say something? I thought well, you know, and as we're talking to we're talking about, right, like how do we help people um, get the resources that they really need? And so this isn't just about like, like fixing a, a toxic work environment, like, like culturally, but it's like on the individual level, mm-hmm. um, how do we make sure that those people either like on whatever side of the fence they land, right? Oftentimes um, folks are, are contributing to a toxic environment and they have no idea. Mm-hmm. And so helping those folks navigate through that and making sure they have the the, the skills and the resources um, and the, the, that they know a little bit more about what's happening, the education around that. And so it, it's both sides. But I think that's really I, what we all are saying and what I see as well is this, this, this real kind of transformation around like what, what skills are we actually really needing um, in the workplace? Because that is very much changing into those, they're not soft skills, they're harder skills, right? Because we don't sit and study them or or read them or think we can take a, you know, a a few minute, uh, you know, Excel course, right? Like it's really, it's really more about not just what we know, it's about who we are and what we do with what we know. Yeah. And that, you know, the, that's where assessments are so important these days, especially with everybody talking about culture and psychological safety and um, vulnerability at work has to be more allowed and in order for people to function. And I've, sorry, my brain's all over the place. I have so much to say, um, you know, like the work-life, work-life balance. That's not a thing. It's work-life integration and people could fight that, but that's what it is. I'm sitting yeah. at home next to a leaky roof right now because that's, you know, it is what it is. So um, to be able to measure, do people feel psychologically safe? Do they feel included? Because only then can they be as productive and provide yeah. the kind of quality work that that any CEO is looking for. And it does still absolutely boggle my mind that sometimes I have to have these arguments with CEOs. Like, how does it not make, like, I can't give you a a super clear ROI that if somebody feels X on the inclusivity scale that they're going to produce 30% more. There's, you know, sure, there's grandiose data out there, but doesn't it just make sense if somebody feels good? They would produce more. How is why am I arguing with you around? 
Well, it's so interesting because I just had this conversation with a new client the other day and he was telling me, he's like, I feel like, and he he's in the HR space. Mm -hmm. um, he's on talent management side. And he said, I feel trapped mm -hmm. because I'm being told I have to do all of these things as my role. And I know what I want to do and what would really benefit the organization is this over here. How do I get the buy-in? to move the organization forward so that we're focused on the human beings, the human capital right. that is here, which is really the most important part of any organization. I, I don't care if you make widgets, sneakers, or, you know, parts for the, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I was trying to come up with something cool and I did totally <laughs> um, <laughs> Right? It doesn't matter. Your mm -hmm. most important thing is your human capital. And so to have these conversations over and over and over again to try and convince people of that in 2023 is mind boggling. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I will say one thing that we sometimes throw into our, our employee survey, that climate assessment is to um, ask people how their work environment affects their productivity. So um, if we know it's fairly toxic and we're still having to try to, you know, we got the budget to do the survey and we're partnered with HR, but we've still got a ways to go on the CEO um, and, and can, getting that buy-in, um, you know, we'll kind of ask these questions around it. feeling excluded. Have you witnessed harassment or something ugly in the last year? Um, and then you can ask some questions around like rate the extent to that this has affected your work product, your quality of work, whether or not you're loyal. Um, so that can be a way to to get in there. But yeah, it, it kind of bugs me that we still have like, don't you just care about people? Why do we not just care about people? Well, and I feel like the, those are great questions and I'm glad, I'm super glad you're asking them. And my, I, I still worry about the people because I think about the people who are like, I don't, I don't 100% trust that whatever I tell you isn't going to get me in trouble. Right. I'm going to tell you everything's fine because otherwise I'm going to get in trouble versus being able to – and people do genuinely show mm -hmm. up and they're like, yeah, I'm going to circle that bubble and say, no, it sucks. Like, yeah. Right? yeah. They're going to be loud and proud. But there's others that are really, really scared. Yep. And to so that's a, a part of our messaging when we do surveys is to make that very clear that we it comes to our survey monkey account. The mm -hmm. only thing the leaders get from us is a PDF report that gener you know, um, just all of that's in there and it's said several times um, to hopefully get more uh, more participation. I need to plug my laptop in. <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. Well, Catherine is plugging in her laptop. We would love to uh, just let you know that if you have any questions, just drop them in the chat. We would be glad to do that. Um, and Louise, this harkens back to the conversations that we've been having over the last couple of weeks in the collective, um, just in terms of like the depth of, of the importance of how we show up at work um, and particularly around like how we have an opportunity to be authentic. I mean, I know we've been talking a lot about authenticity. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I love this because, you know, in the collective, when uh, every couple of weeks we're having these conversations about, right, what we talk about here on the podcast. So I love that kind of that extension and we can get into more more details and get into like, how does that impact? Um, and our conversations and kind of one of the reasons why we have the collective is really about helping people find that voice, right? Helping them step into that 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 authenticity but but recognizing right like like oftentimes like what do you have to lose right and really being able to 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 find right a a place um and it's so tough right when you're in a toxic work environment it's like a bad relationship Mm -hmm. and it gets really really hard we get very quiet often because we don't want to rock the boat or we feel like there's so much at risk Mm -hmm. and so right having a, a a collective having a group of people who are all going through the same thing right here we are coming from like different corners right of of the of north america right now and we're all having the same conversation our our clients are all having right very similar conversations about that and so really kind of diving in and, and knowing same with you catherine the the just the workplace bullying itself like like we're not alone uh in the things that are going on so really that sense of community and finding that so that when you are presented with an opportunity to answer a survey that you're feeling like you have a little bit more autonomy and that you can be authentic that you can say what's really going on and 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 finding your way through that yeah yeah um, I hear a lot from employees in my clients that, you know, I, I always share my story about how I got into it. And I think it, they're like, okay, she yeah. gets it because she knows how I feel. Yeah. And just to highlight that, um, workplace bullying is associated with PTSD, mm-hmm. suicide, thoughts of suicide. It's, uh, it's, it's abuse at work. It's basically domestic violence yeah. at work. Yeah. So, um, it's super important that if anybody is going through that, that they take care of themselves, get some therapy, figure out, find your way out of that organization. If they're making it clear yeah. that they don't care about yeah. what's going on with you, then you got to get out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Yeah. No, it's no joke. It's, it's, it's not. No, there was an op that I had a legal client once who was going through, we were safely getting her out of her marriage because it was an abusive marriage and she was working in a toxic workplace where she was being harassed there. So it was like both sides that we were dealing with at the same time. And it, it is no, like she literally was fearing for her life and in, in everywhere she went. Yep. So, um, and yeah. it, it is, you know, I talk a lot with, um, with, a, with a lot, particularly women, but not all women, just the microaggressions. Um, you know, we have, we have terms that we can use for that now, um, which, hopefully allow people to have a little bit of language so that they can start to make inroads. But the reality is, is those, those of us who have either experienced it, see it, witness it, hear about it, don't make a joke about it. Right. Mm -hmm. We is to be there and to hear them and to say, yes, that's happening. Let me help support you in that. Mm -hmm. Because that's the only way this, this nonsense changes. Oh, I can swear this bullshit needs to change. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my friends, what are our golden nuggets? What are our big takeaways from our conversation today? Uh, 
Oh, cat and dog. <laughs> we were like, oh my gosh. I'm like, are we waiting for comments? Who are we asking? <laughs> you yeah, they can comment too. Everybody can comment. <laughs> uh, I think my golden nugget, Catherine, was something that you had said early on is really around like, what is the question that we're really, that we really want to solve, right? And, and getting really clear on what that is uh, within an organization, personally, whatever that looks like. It's like, there's what's, what's, there's, there's a crunchy bit um, there and, and what's the question so that you can be more clear um, when you come out the other side. So I just really love that because I think we forget sometimes, especially around assessments, uh, we forget sometimes to ask that question. It's just, this is going to be a solution to something. And that's just not true. Not yeah, it's the next big assessment. Everybody's talking about it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about yourself? Gosh, I don't know. We talked about so many things. Um, I just appreciate that you're, you know, helping people do epic shit per Kim's sign back there. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, everything you've said, it's important for um, CEOs to be more mindful of culture and how important it is. And hopefully, you know, silver lining from COVID that we, we are moving in that direction. You've got the younger generation coming up through the ranks that have been in a more emotionally intelligent kind of realm um, and learning more about it. So I, I think the paradigm will continue to, to change. Um, and yeah, I wasn't here to bash HR. I know deep in my soul, I'm, I'm one of them. They're trying, and uh, but you can only do what your CEO gives you permission to do. And then you yes. gotta be a ninja a little bit and try to, you know, army crawl your way through yeah. things that you know need to happen. hundred percent. And I didn't think you were bashing. I wanted to make okay. sure else did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my big takeaway um, from today is really that idea of like assessments are incredibly powerful, but they're only powerful if you take action. Yep. Right. Like it's not going to do any good on a shelf. Don't just take it to tick a box. Take the action that you learn from taking the assessment. Yes. Um, Catherine, it has been a joy and, um, I'm going to find a way to get on your calendar just to chat more. Cause I just really have loved this. So, <laughs> <Sounds good. laughs> um, so we would love to, um, I forgot to pop the thing up. So I'm going to quickly do this. Um, if you're, if anybody is interested in joining us in the collective, we are getting ready to open up our winter cohort. So come join us at your kickasscareer.com and, if you're interested in checking out Civility Partners, um, that's the website. Catherine, where else can they find you? Just type in my name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all over the internet. Like you said, I'm actually up to 49 LinkedIn courses as of uh, last week. They've published another one in uh, Chinese. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere. I speak at a lot of conferences. Find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm very passionate about giving tangible, useful information around a fluffy word like culture. So, uh, you know, if you join our newsletter, you'll get something every week that's not sales. It's not anything. It's just tips for Love interpersonal it. skills, culture skills, organizational stuff. So, yeah. And I am on the LinkedIn newsletter and she's absolutely right. It's good stuff. Thank so you. you're welcome. And um, I always do this because I'm... I. They're going to move them. They're, everything you need to know about Catherine is in the show notes, and those show notes are somewhere. They're attached <laughs> somewhere to this video. 
But down below the side. Yeah, yeah. who knows? Somewhere. <laughs> They're just attached. Uh, thank you for uh, just being here with us today. Um, what a great conversation. What a start of a great conversation, too, I hope for many. Um, and thanks for some laughter um, today as well. It's been such a joy, Catherine, to chat with you. Um, thank you. And thank everyone for tuning in today. Absolutely. All right. Until the next time, everyone. All Bye right. for now. Bye for now.